All right, Wrestling with Theology fans, it is Thursday, May the 27th. We are here digging deeper into the Psalms, and we have a little bit of a different format for this one as we look at Psalm 18 this week. Psalm 18 is one of the longer Psalms, and I thought, okay, I could break this up trying to keep it around 25, 30 verses at a time, or, as I had done on December 5th, 2012, I had made the entire psalm of Psalm 18, all 50 or so verses, the liturgy for the Advent midweek service. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just read the psalm as is, and then pre- and then read the sermon that I preached that night. So here we go, digging deeper into Psalm 18. To the choir master, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who addressed the words of this song to the Lord on the day when the Lord rescued him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me, the torrents of destruction assailed me, the cords of Sheol entangled me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress I called upon the Lord, to my God I cried for help. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked, the foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed to the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering his canopy around him. Thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. And he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. He sent from on high, he took him. He drew me out from many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for those who were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me and his statutes I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him and I kept myself from my guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. With the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you show yourself pure. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. For but... For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him.
For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me and your gentleness made me great. You gave me a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and overtook them and did not turn back till they were consumed. I thrust them through so that they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet. For you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me, and those who hated me I destroyed. They cried for help, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them fine as dust before the wind. I cast them out like the mire of the streets. You delivered me from strife with the people. You made me the head of the nations. People whom I had not known served me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners came cringing to me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation, the God who gave me vengeance and subdued peoples under me, who delivered me from my enemies. Yes, you exalted me above those who rose against me. You rescued me from the man of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king, and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. So far, Psalm 18, with the Gloria Patri on it. So now we look at the sermon preached eight and a half years ago for Advent midweek, focusing on verse 2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. So far, our text. This week's psalm is a hymn of praise because of God's gracious deliverance. David had gone through so much in his lifetime. Saul had tried repeatedly to kill him. His son Absalom had tried to take over the kingdom. His subjects had abandoned him for his usurper's son. But in all these troubles, David still knew he had one place he could go for refuge. The Lord, his rock, his mighty fortress, where his soul felt safe. Everything had collapsed around him many times. Everything in his life often seemed out of control. No matter what David could say, the Lord is my rock. God is the firm foundation that can bring about the greatest of strength. A foundation for faith that no enemy can shake. Nothing and no one can get to you when you take refuge in the stronghold of your salvation. Not saying that nothing will happen to you. Recent weeks and months have shown this to be false. Death, cancer, COVID, many other problems that might not be well known. All these things happen to people who are in the stronghold of God's salvation. But you find out that you have nothing to fear with God as your rock. David could be hunted as an enemy of the state, ousted from his palace while his arrogant son took his kingdom. He could face the death of a child conceived out of wedlock. All of these because God was his fortress who provides strength to struggle through the hardships of life. David's God continues to give his strength to those who take refuge in him. Nothing in life can separate you from God's love and strength. Romans 8, 35-39 He is your fortress that stands high upon the rock, secure amidst the raging storms of life. 
Your problems are not yours alone. Your Heavenly Father knows them better than you. He knows how to fix them. But you must take refuge in God and let go of them. Let God take care of them. In that refuge, you find God worthy to be praised. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. In the midst of our deepest, darkest troubles, God hears your prayers and answers it. God is worthy of praise because he listens to his children when they cry out. He answers even when the cords of death encompassed me, the cords of Sheol entangled me. Daily we live with our sin. Death seems ever closer. Our foot slips just a little bit more into the grave every day. In sickness it feels more like being dragged into the grave. But God answers his children in the midst of their troubles. This answer often comes as he sends judgment before he appears. Judgment is often the beginning of the answer to our prayers. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation, Genesis 6-9. He was the one person God found to still believe in him, the only person taking refuge in the fortress of salvation. Noah was the only one that found favor in the eyes of the Lord, Genesis 6-8. Righteous Noah prayed for his family and friends, prayed that they might turn from their sin. But all but his sons and daughters-in-law and wife refused. He prayed that God would turn their hearts to remember his graciousness, but the bulk refused. Their hearts were hardened as Noah preached for a century while he built the ark that the flood was coming. God saw their contempt for Noah's message of salvation. God finally answers Noah's prayer by saying, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Genesis 7.1 The judgment of the flood was the beginning of God's answer to Noah's prayer. After God closed the door of the ark, then man's heart changed. Genesis 7.16 The waters began to rise, and the people, Noah's family and friends, were clamoring like the foolish virgins in the parable of Matthew 25, pounding on the door, let us in, let us in. Sadly, Noah had to say, it's too late. The door is closed. I cannot open it. I cannot save you. So also Jesus sent judgment before he came as the babe in Bethlehem. Noah's descendants through his son Shem would include Abraham, a man who would walk with God and give him the promises. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing, Genesis 12, 2. To your offspring I will give this land, Genesis 12, 7. Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. So shall your offspring be, Genesis 15, 5. These promises were fulfilled in the twelve tribes of Israel, a people who went into Egypt as seventy, Exodus 1, 5, but leaves with 603,500 warriors, not counting the women, children, the elderly, or the priest, according to Numbers 1. A great multitude had come out and were ready to receive the promises given to Abraham. A great nation whom God had chosen to be his treasured possession among the nations, Deuteronomy 7, 6. A great nation who would repeatedly rebel. A nation who would be divided, 1 Kings 12, and then taken into exile. 2 Kings 17 and 25, as a result of their rebellion. A nation reduced to a remnant, Isaiah 10, verses 20 to 22. 
When Jesus is born in Bethlehem, this remnant had been decimated again by its own rebellion. Jesus was born while Herod the Great, an Idumean by birth, was ruling in Jerusalem. He ruled under the endorsement of the Roman Emperor. The Jewish nation was still enslaved, along with the rest of the world, to its enemies. Judgment had been brought upon the earth, and it was done to speed Jesus' coming into the world. Remember the opening words of St. Luke's Christmas story. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, Luke 2.1. The world was being counted so they could be taxed, to be reminded that they had been and were still under God's judgment. But even under judgment, there were some who still took refuge in their mighty fortress. Jesus is sending and will continue to send judgment before he comes again as judge. In a judged world, the fortress came and dwelt among us, John 1.14. He stood judged by this world and found lacking in their eyes. He did not live up to their expectations. But no one expected the greatest of his judgments, his resurrection from the dead. This Jesus is Lord of life and death. He has the power to make the dead live again. He has given the authority to pass judgment on this world. The book of Revelation reveals this judgment that began at his ascension into heaven and continues until he returns in his full glory. In these last days, heaven and earth will reel and rock, tremble and quake because of his divine anger over sin. The great and glorious day of the Lord is coming. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements, Zephaniah 1, 15 and 16. God's righteous judgment is the order of the day, judgment that brings horror for his enemies, comfort for his children. Everything depends upon your righteousness before God. David said in verse 20, The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. Your righteousness determines the reward God gives you. Those who seek after their own righteousness will be condemned. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees, Jesus tells us in Luke 12.1. Even those who look righteous may be condemned. The ninth commandment reminds us we should fear and love God so that we do not scheme to get our neighbor's inheritance or house or get it in any way which only appears right, but help and be of service to him in keeping it. This was the leaven of the Pharisees. With their haughty eyes, they looked down on everyone else as not being as righteous and as holy as they were. But Jesus will come and bring haughty eyes down. He will straighten the crooked, though they will see it as torture. Nothing will be greater torture than to be cast into the lake of fire with the devil and his angels for all eternity. The mighty fortress fights against their evil and wins. But those who take refuge in the Lord their rock find themselves inside the mighty fortress. They are protected and delivered. Those whose righteousness is the Lord will be saved, Jeremiah 33:16. The humble are saved. Those who look to the light of the world are enlightened by the gospel, which is the power of God for salvation. Romans 1.16. Jesus' righteousness is given through faith, as the prophet Habakkuk tells us, the righteous shall live by faith. Chapter 2, verse 4. The humble understand their place before God. They are within the fortress taking refuge from the storms of life. 
They are seeking sanctuary from their sin. And they are given that refuge and sanctuary as God calls them his children and delivers them from all their enemies forever. By his death and resurrection, Jesus has destroyed your enemies. Every one of your enemies has been destroyed by the Son of God, 1 Corinthians 15, 25-27. Born in a Bethlehem stable, nailed to a wooden cross, buried in a borrowed tomb, raised from the dead. Conquering death, there is no other enemy that can stand against Jesus, 1 Corinthians 15, 26. Not even the very gates of hell. Look at Matthew 16, 18. One little word can fell him. No charge can be brought against you. With Jesus' righteousness, you are blameless before God. He has kept you from guilt by taking it upon himself. You stand before God like Noah, fleeing the judgment of the flood in the ark of the mighty fortress who is your God. And this is his gift to you forever. David ends the psalm. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. This great salvation did not end with David. It continues to his offspring forever. Not only the royal line that was kept in Judah because of the promises, see 2 Chronicles 21.7, the offspring singular, Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ, who gives these blessings to you. Blessings that were promised to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and to David as an everlasting covenant. Great salvation is yours. Behold, your king is coming, righteous in having salvation, Zechariah 9.9. Wait for the king who comes to bring you into his eternal kingdom. Amen. And as Luther wrote the Psalms and uh, attached meanings to them, you can see this in the book Reading the Psalms with Luther. He also attaches prayers that have been historically attached to him. And the prayer for Psalm 18 says this, Lord Jesus, both David's son and David's Lord, thanks be to you because you undertook the battle against our enemies and ransomed us from the power of them that hated us. As you now sit at the right hand of the Father, a Lord over all things, be our rock and our defense, our buckler and captain of our salvation, that in your name we may defy and despise the very gates of hell, triumphing over them forever and ever. That is the great blessing of Psalm 18. God is our rock. He is our mighty fortress. And it is in that mighty fortress that we take refuge. Every time we come into contact with his word, whether it's through the confessional corner on Mondays or digging deeper on Thursdays on this podcast or many, many other podcasts that you might listen to that bring you the pure word of God. That is where we find our strength. That is where we find our refuge, our deliverance, and where we see our mighty fortress standing around us, protecting us, but also equipping us to wrestle with the theologies in the world around us. Amen.